Welcome to the Personal Equity Podcast, where we discuss investing in yourself and building personal equity. We take a deep dive with our guests into their stories, careers, and lives from both a personal and financial perspective. I'm your host, Mike Troxel. Today, we'll be speaking with Kelly Klingeman, who is a vice president at Dimensional Fund Advisors. In our conversation, we covered investing, parenting, and mental health. The links and information in the episode can be found at personalequitypodcast.com. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I'd love to start with the present, if you could give listeners an idea of where you are now and what you're up to. Of course. So presently, um, just moved to a new house actually in Austin, Texas. I've lived in Austin for about 12 years with my family, but we just moved to a little more space just a couple of weeks ago. So that's definitely top of mind. And it's nice because we previously lived in 1,200 square feet, and now we have um, about 2,700 square feet. So uh, you and I were just talking offline about how we both have two small kids. Um, I also have a big dog. And so having a little more space is has been really nice uh, in the last few weeks. So that's what's going on right now in our family. That's great. And you're, you're the second person I've had on that that is from Austin. So I have to ask you as well. How do you feel about the, um, I guess, the rise in popularity with Austin and sort of the almost the California invasion? There, there are a lot of people moving to Austin constantly. And I, I am not one of, we call them unicorns if you're actually born and raised in Austin. So I am not a unicorn. I have, I did move here from Houston, Texas, but I am a native Texan. Um, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, I work for Dimensional and one of our offices in, is in Santa Monica, California. So I can't hate on people moving here from California too much since a lot of my coworkers are part of that category. And I love all the people I work with. Uh, but we are constantly showing up in like the top five best cities to live in. Um, I don't know if people would say that in August or September right now because it is very hot and sometimes humid. Um, but it's a it's a great city, a lot of great things to do outdoors, and definitely can't complain. So I understand why people flock here pretty consistently. <laughs> yep, and absolutely. And so you mentioned dimensional. Uh, so I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, tell, of course. Tell, tell, tell us a bit about um, the firm and sort of, you know, just generally sort of what it does and also what it looks like as far as size, whether it's, you know, however you want to measure that, right? Offices, employees, assets. Yeah, of course. So Dimensional Fund Advisors, our headquarters are here in Austin, Texas, which is kind of odd for an investment company. And I think that's very consistent with us overall as, as we go a little bit against the grain of the norm when it comes to investment management companies. We are a mutual fund company uh, and what we do, I really think it focuses on changing the way people think about investing because we're very focused on education and academic research and how that informs a really sound investment approach for end clients. And my role, I specifically partner with financial advisors and mainly advisors who are in the solopreneur category, so yourself included there. And I focus on education for advisors who are really new to the dimensional story and what our investment philosophy is. And it does focus on marrying academic research and very low cost, broad diversification together to create an investment approach that and focus on making sure that you have a, a better long-term experience investing in the markets and taking a lot of the worry and stress off the table that a lot of people feel when it comes to investing. And so constant focus on education and helping advisors educate their end clients about what to really focus on, what, what you can control in investing and what you can't control, and making sure that that all culminates in a better long-term investment experience versus what you typically think of when you think of investing. That's great. And would you mind expanding a little bit about or on that as far as partnering with advisors? I know it's a very 
Um, I know it's wonderful and, and it's unique as far as most fund companies, right? You could just log on to your trading website and purchase, you know, ABC stock. But with Dimensional, there is sort of a process and an educational process that you go through with advisors. So would you mind talking a bit about that? Of course. So we we do only work directly with financial advisors and large institutional clients. So the average investor can't actually buy a dimensional mutual fund. And we're really trying to elevate the role of a financial advisor. I, I think that dimensional tries to focus on this idea that everyone could really benefit from sound third-party objective financial advice. And I love that because I specifically partner with financial advisors who are in the XY Planning Network community in that world. And I, I love the message that comes out of that community, which is, hey, let's make financial planning more available to more people and change the way that we charge for those services. So more and more people can have access to great financial planning advice. I think those go hand in hand in terms of dimensionals focus on working with financial advisors as well. The funny thing is, is like us as individual investors, we don't get a lot of education around how to invest or what investing really is. It just kind of, maybe you talk about it, maybe you have a personal interest in it. So you do some of your own research, but just general financial literacy and just your upbringing may not always include a lot of that information. And we get really busy in our own lives. And so having the support and help of a financial advisor is really important. And Dimensional is a very firm believer in that. So if you ever go to our public website, we focus a lot of attention on partnering with a financial advisor and working with them to create a plan, a financial plan, and also a plan around how to invest in a very effective way. And uh, I don't see us changing that approach. I think we want to continue to really focus on working with advisors and expanding that. Um, And we really feel that that's where our expertise lies. Uh, We don't feel that we have the expertise to work with end clients. We think that it's really tailored to individual advisors partnering with, you know, different families and what's going to be the best fit there. And um, so that's a little bit about why we've chosen to work with uh, the advisor community and partner with them specifically. That's really interesting. And I I imagine there's a lot of benefits on dimensional side as well from that partnership as far as managing the funds. Like, for example, if you, you have an idea of who owns your funds versus, you know, ABC mutual fund, if it's, if it's only available to the end client, you know, there, there m- might be, there could be a lot more sort of trading or buying and selling, which which could make it sort of harder to manage the actual investments. Um, I imagine Dimensional has a little more, I guess, predictability around um, flows and assets. Is that accurate? I think that's extremely accurate. Uh, working with advisors and Not only that is, we don't even work with every advisor and we have an education process for advisors to go through prior to working with us. And that really is to ensure exactly what you just mentioned, having a lot of consistency around cash flows. We always say that end investors have very emotionally driven cash flows. Um, This year is a great example of that. Just saw what markets were doing back in March and April, just with everything that's been happening, um, you know, things going up and down, a lot of volatility. And individual investors who don't necessarily partner with an advisor who's helping them weather the storm of crazy markets are probably running to their accounts and liquidating and going to cash at completely the wrong moment and then trying to get back in the market when everything's really high. And with Dimensional choosing to partner with financial advisors who are there to be that intermediary to help clients stay disciplined and stay in their seat when markets are really rocky, that helps us have consistency in cash flows. And then that allows us to very effectively run all of our different mutual fund strategies effectively and deliver on a lot of the things that we focus on in terms of our investment philosophy. So definitely enjoy that consistency versus working directly with end investors for sure. And I have not thought about about it this way before, but it almost reminds me of like a, 
if you were running a restaurant and you knew roughly how many people were going to come every day, it'd be a lot easier to manage and run the restaurant and serve the you know customers and the employees and whatnot versus if it was a lot more sporadic and some days nobody showed up and other days the entire town showed up and be a lot more challenging to sort of run the business. I love that. Yeah. Any, any sort of real life example to help, uh, you know, get that message through. We're really big on that as well. And I think that example of just expecting a certain amount of activity every day that helps us communicate down to our portfolio managers and traders they they know when big cash flows are going to come through because we have really good relationships with advisors and they will generally let us know that information ahead of time. So we have really close bond with the advisor community that we partner with to make sure there's there's no surprises. And that benefits everyone that's invested in the funds. That means you're not suffering from cash drag or a lot of unexpected you know, gains or losses happening in the portfolio you have a lot of consistency because everyone is being a really good steward of the funds together. And that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so dimensional has a very, um, you know, academic research focused background around the funds and a very academic approach. So would you mind explaining kind of how that differs, right? As a, maybe someone that's, would be less informed with the investment landscape, you know, I would like to think, or somebody would like to think that what doesn't, you know, every investment company have a very strict, um, you know, academically sort of research focused process. It's uh, most people just assume everyone's kind of the same. Um, but there's a couple general categories that exist, which is traditional active management or traditional passive management. And the funny thing is, is dimensional doesn't actually fit cleanly into either of those categories. We are somewhat of a third category that I like to refer to as evidence-based investing. If you've ever thought of evidence-based medicine or just relying on what does the research say is the best approach to something, that's really what dimensional focuses on. So we look at years and years and years of research around markets and the history of performance and returns. And we've seen that there are certain categories of companies that tend to do better than others. And so our portfolios will tilt more heavily into those categories of companies while also pretty much buying everything across the board. So global securities in all major markets across the globe We'll pretty much buy everything, so stay really diversified. But the research shows us that these certain categories have done better than others over time. So we'll tilt more heavily into those categories in order to create higher expected returns. So it's this unique combination of sort of an active, passive approach in some sense, in a lot of ways. And then altogether, I think, quite different in how we implement. And I'm happy to use just a real life example to talk about implementation, if if you don't mind me using it for a second here. Please do. Um, <laughs> so I think about it in terms of going to buy a car. Uh, Mike, have you ever had to buy a car before? <laughs> I have. I have. We bought a car last year, so you can use okay. a Honda. You can use a Honda Pilot for your example. Oh, Honda Pilot. We we uh, we have a Ford Explorer, so we were similarly looking at those sort of midsize SUVs. Now. I'm actually going to use my husband in this example. I'm going to pick on him because he he has a Texas edition black Chevy Silverado truck. And he's had it for a few years now. But at the time when he was going in to purchase this new car, he was very set on a lot of specific details that needed to be in this truck that he purchased. And he was making a list and telling me everything that he needed. You know, it needed to have four doors, crew, you know, short bed, you know, specific size in terms of the bed of the truck, which I didn't even know that was something that you could focus on. Um, he wanted a certain trim package, all these little details. And I'm just thinking to myself, the more things that he's saying here, I feel like his buying power, his negotiation, negotiating power is diminishing more and more because I, I'm sure not this truck doesn't exist everywhere. There's going to be like a few of them. And then, of course, lo and behold, there was one in all of Austin, Texas, that really met his criteria. And he, you know, he test drove it, he loved it. He's like, all right, I'm going to buy this truck. 
So I think of my husband and his approach to buying this car as something very similar to traditional investment management. They're very focused, a lot of different managers out there are just very focused on specific companies that they want to own. You know, down, you know, the name of the company, whether it's Apple or Microsoft or Amazon, obviously those are big names we all know of. But a lot of managers focus solely on the individual company names and they don't build in any flexibility around that. They're like, hey, I have to have this company in my portfolio. I'm going to get it at all costs because maybe I think it's going to go up in value and I need to buy it now before it does that, which is you know, relying on a forecast and you know predicting the future, which I don't know if that's a very sound investment approach. The performance track record shows that most managers who try to make those predictions don't actually see those predictions come to fruition. So there's, there's people making those bets about certain companies. And then there's also some more passive managers who are just trying to replicate a very specific list of securities that someone has told them to buy, which is you know a benchmark that they might be tracking. But that's very similar. They have to buy a very specific list of companies, just like my husband had to buy that Texas edition black Chevy Silverado truck. And there's no negotiating power when it comes to the cost or you know the price that you pay for those companies you're buying as the investment manager or for my husband. You know, the the sales guy at the dealership gave him a price and he was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." And he he didn't have a lot of negotiating power because he he didn't look at other options besides this one that he was focused on. And my approach to buying a car is more in line with Dimensional's approach. And we actually did this later on when we bought our, our more recent car, which was the Ford Explorer. I was looking at things like the Honda Pilot, the, you know, there's all these, the Toyota Highlander, I think was another midsize SUV, um, all these different midsize SUVs that would meet the need of, okay, I have two kids, I got car seats I need to fit in here. I don't want to pay as much as like a Suburban. I don't think I need that, but I need something that'll be kind of in that mid range. So we were, I was having us look at all these different dealerships, all these different makes and models and comparing and contrasting prices. And what was cool is I had a lot of negotiating power with the, with the guy at the dealership. I was like, hey, you know, I'm also, I'm at the Ford dealership, but I'm also talking to the guy at Honda. I'm also talking to someone at Toyota, you know, all these different places. And that helped me get the price down for the car that I ended up buying. And I would say that that is very similar to Dimensional's approach to buying and trading securities. We have a category that we want to buy you know, midsize SUV. <laughs> and we have all these different options that fit into that category. We don't have a specific company that we need to buy because they're all pretty similar in, in characteristic and they can meet a similar need. And so we have a lot more negotiating power when we go to make trades versus any other investment manager out there. So cutting down on some of these different costs that are hidden and behind the scenes that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, so implementation is really what differentiates Dimensional, which is pretty cool. And again, no other investment manager that exists takes that approach to trading, which is is really what's unique to Dimensional's overall philosophy. Yep. No, I, I love that example, and, and and I appreciate you sharing that. So sort of moving. Um a little bit away from dimensional towards you and your, yeah. your role. So what you mentioned, you deal with a lot of advisors, advisor education. So what is your role and, and what is your kind of day to day look like? So technically my role or my job title is I'm a vice president and I'm a regional director, which um, there's a lot of vice presidents at dimensional. It's kind of like a bank. So uh, I've been there for 10 years. So you kind of uh, eventually get to, have that honor, which is pretty cool. And then regional director doesn't tell you much either. I would say I'm more like a consultant to financial advisors, if I'm being honest. Um, I do focus more on onboarding new advisors who've never worked with us before. So they, it's typically a, an advisor who does um, comprehensive financial planning and investment management for clients. And They've just got some pain points around their investing approach in some ways. Like maybe it's just not cleanly fitting into their overall financial planning process that well. And generally, they've maybe 
heard of a, a friend or a colleague that uses Dimensional. And it's really nice that we get a lot of warm referrals coming our way, which is, I think, just a byproduct of uh, the, the tight-knit advisor community that we get to be a part of. Uh, so generally, my main role is helping to educate new firms who've generally not heard much about Dimensional's approach. And my main focus is just to figure out what the pain points are in their business and try to align resources that Dimensional has that could solve those different problems that they may have. And so, Mike, you've worked with Dimensional for a while. Hopefully, you feel that your team at Dimensional is an extension of your own team in a way. We, we always try to encourage advisors to reach out to us when they're making any sort of decision in their business because generally we will have some resources or thoughts on how to help them. Um, so it's this combination of education around investments, but also consulting around different business needs and tying the investment piece into their business more seamlessly in a lot of ways. Yep. Anytime I've had to lean on Dimensional personally, it's been a great experience and a very helpful, responsive team. But I know uh, myself, I'm guilty of underutilizing the team. Mm -hmm. And so for maybe myself or for uh, any other advisors listening, what are what are some commonly sort of underutilized aspects of Dimensional that you guys um, you know are there to help and support with? I think for one is we're trying right now to help with a lot of uh, virtual client events, actually, uh, specifically me and some of the other uh, women on my team are trying to create some, more of a, a community around uh, female advisors and working with female clients. And so we're, we're offering up actually coming alongside some advisors and doing a, helping them host a virtual client event which virtual client events sounds pretty daunting. We've actually done a lot of them on our end and we have a lot of fun ideas on how to keep it more social versus educational, um, but still, you know, very interactive and, um, you know, really meeting a need that end investors might have. And I think a lot of times people who partner with us forget that we can help in some of these unique ways, like actually helping them run events or, um, solving some needs that are outside the scope of just general investing and investment management needs. Yeah, I think that's great. And you're, you know, you're in a seat where that it, it makes sense to get involved in those aspects, right? It's like, you know, one, one could say you're an investment company, right? Why are you doing that? But you, know, you specifically in your team, you do have a front row seat and, you know, so many different advisory firms that it 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 makes sense i mean you 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 build an expertise over time about you know seeing dozens or hundreds of businesses so it only makes sense to uh, you know you see these opportunities and you can kind of get involved in um and help out and so that's um i think that that's really cool and maybe maybe offline i'd like to learn a little bit more about some of these virtual events yeah i would love to help and i think you you said it exactly right is we touch so many different types of firms in the advisor world and see successes see, we see failures so it's just our way of aggregating all that information and then delivering those best practices to other firms who are newer to working with us as much as possible yep and i um you specifically i learned from a different podcast you were on that you obviously have a strong investing background but you also have a financial planning background. Is that right? I think you have your CFP. I do have my CFP. I got my CFP. Um, I finished it finally back in 2014 and worked on it for a couple of years right when I started at Dimensional. And Dimensional was very encouraging of continuing your education in some way. Uh, so a lot of people work on their CFA who are at Dimensional, but there was a, a group of us who were more interested in the financial planning world. And so me and a few others, we all dove into the certified financial planning degree and got all of that taken care of. And I've felt that it's a really cool way to connect with the people that I actually work with on a daily basis. So I've really enjoyed having done that and then doing the continuing education for that too. 
And if I'm not mistaken, again, picked up notes from a different podcast, you work with your own financial advisor, is that right? I do. So uh, my my financial advice, my first financial planner uh, was Mary Beth Storjahan. And so a lot of people know her. She is a very good friend of mine. She is not doing that work anymore. She's actually a chief marketing officer at Abacus Wealth Partners now and doing a lot of other really cool things. Uh, her and I catch up on a pretty uh, regular basis. Um, but she, I felt at the time, like I was like, I am not taking care of my family's financial needs. I'm trying to do way too much and have a full-time job and I got kids and all this other stuff. So it was really nice to outsource a lot of that headache to someone that really understood me and could also come alongside me and just help me think through a lot of different decisions. Uh, so while I don't work directly with Mary Beth anymore, I have, me and my husband have a different financial advisor now. It's actually someone who works with Dimensional as well. So it's in the same community of advisors that I'm around all the time. And I cannot say enough about how much I love working with someone else, even though I have a CFP, you know, I know all the different things that they're telling me about, but to have someone there to hold us accountable to make certain accomplishments so that we're taking better care of our family overall is, you know, it's really priceless to have that. Yep. I hear you. And, and I know you're not just saying that. I mean, every, you know, every high-end athlete has a coach, right? Every writer has an editor. Um, even myself, right? I, I feel like I am very confident in my knowledge. And while I don't have a formal relationship with an advisor, there are a few professionals that I have really, really close relationships with that know my situation well. You know, one CPA, one financial planner, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, I talk to all the time um, about about things just to make sure I'm thinking through things properly. Even yeah. um, going back to a car purchasing, right? It's uh, <laughs> yeah. my most viral in quotes here blog post I've written, uh, um, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't get too many views, but this one did was about car buying and how it, you know, we are trained, right. As advice, almost like drilled into us where everybody should buy a 2.7 year old Honda Accord <laughs> or, um, or else you're an idiot essentially is, is like the message. Right. <laughs> um, and when I was doing my own, digging similar to your exact approach um, compared to your husband's, right? Looking at different options. I was surprised that that in my specific um, journey, that was not, you know, the outcome that sort of, um, I w- that was not the path I was going down, right? It mm-hmm. was not going to be a 2.7 year old Honda Accord. It was um, the way the numbers were working out and the way the deals were and the way the negotiations and whatnot it was pointing me towards a new car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was just surprised at that. So I had a lot of conversations with people like, am I, am I crazy? Am, am, am <laughs> I, am I going crazy? Like, am I totally missing something here? Um, and so I think, you know, that was one specific example where um, I got a lot of value from, you know, outside help. And even yeah. one of the, even one of the first clients I ever worked with, they were, they were and are extremely intelligent when it comes to the stuff. And, mm-hmm. and they stated, I really just need a second set of eyes. And, yes. that, yes. and that was eye opening for me as well. Um, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in the weeds um, with, you know, backdoor Roth IRAs and <laughs> you know, this, that, and the other thing. But um, the second set of eyes and the accountability piece you know that that is a that is a lot of with the benefit. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I love the the accountability partner. I mean, I've always heard like your spouse cannot be your accountability partner because you're you know you're it just generally doesn't work out. You need to have an outside accountability partner, and so that's what I think of financial planner or you know some sort of counseling. You know. I'm just focused on like mental health these days. So like some outside person just talking you through things so that you can get out of your own way and don't, don't get stuck in like analysis paralysis. So I totally agree. 
<laughs> yep, exactly. And so you've been at Dimensional for 10 years now. And is that where you've been your entire career? <laughs> it is. So I started Dimensional when I was 21. I was a junior going into my senior year at the University of Texas at Austin. And I was a finance major and I got an internship at Dimensional for the summer. And then I actually worked there the rest of my senior year because uh, it was in Austin and I could just um, easily make the commute. And then I started full time after I graduated. And so that was 10 years ago. And I've, I've stayed in the same general path of working with advisors the whole time, which has been really great. I used to focus on advisors that were in um, generally the Southeast states, and then it moved more to uh, coast to coast, working with advisors who are, like I mentioned before, more in the solopreneur, like launch phase of their business, and then interested in partnering with Dimensional. So it's been really cool to stay really focused on the financial planning world and working with advisors the entirety of my time at Dimensional. So has it been a, you know, I know it's a really good place to work based on everyone I've spoken to there. Um, so has it been a relatively smooth journey up to the VP level or ha has there been any, you know, hurdles or low points along the way? I, I would say some of the hurdles were around, um, I didn't have an MBA. Not that it was a hurdle. It was, um, you know, I call it just, you know, when you started a company from the very bottom, you know, I was an undergrad intern <laughs> and then never leaving to go work anywhere else and, and always working at the same place. I'd say that that, not that I would want to do over and to say that I'd want to have left and come back or gone to do something else. I've, I've really enjoyed my path at Dimensional, but sometimes people have preconceived notions or misconceptions around certain certifications or degrees. And I had chosen to get my CFP and I was like, hey, I don't want to go get my MBA. Um, I remember back to being at UT and I took a lot of my business classes with some of the MBA students. And I was like, why would I get an MBA? I'm taking the same classes as them. And it seems like a waste of money. So I always knew that I didn't want to get an MBA. But I'm some people along the way in my path, never anyone that I worked directly with, but some people outside of my team um, would always ask me, well, when are you going to leave to go get your MBA? And I was like, well, I'm not. I don't want to get my MBA. And so I think they're not that that was a hurdle. I think I was thinking internally to myself, like, I will prove you wrong. I will, you know, continue on this path here at Dimensional and I don't need an MBA to do it. And I'm, you know, here I am. I, I never did get my MBA. And I think that I'm just fine that I didn't. And I'm really glad that I focused more on the CFP and financial planning and doing continued education there because that has become a huge passion of mine. And I feel I have a better connection with the clients that I serve because of that. And I don't think that I would have gotten that by leaving to go get my MBA. And this is not a knock on anyone that does that because I know everyone has a different path. But for me in particular, I, uh, I'm glad that I didn't get caught up in in that specifically. And I kind of kept to what I thought was best to better serve the clients I was going to work with. And, and it did end up all working out just fine. Yeah. And so you mentioned the CFP and the continuing education. Are there any other courses or any other sort of topics within the industry that you're, you've been sort of allocating time and energy towards lately? So I'm going to do George Kinder's uh, life planning course. So I actually signed up for, um, I know he's doing a session uh, in, at the back end of the XYPN conference this year, which is virtual. So I've always had a big interest in life planning and I've followed George Kinder's work for a while and just hadn't gotten around to thinking I could should do the course. And so have signed up for that and I'm going to do the initial course. And I know there's other stages of that that you can do afterward. But that's my big focus right now is the registered life planning. So that's uh, what I'll be working on. <laughs> that's great. That, sound, that sounds super exciting. And that's, you know, that's one item that's on my list as well. I wouldn't say it's, um, and I would like to lie and say it's high on, on the list, but <laughs> it, it's, um, it's not, but it's on, it's on the list. It's on the list. Yeah, very cool. 
And so you mentioned so life planning, and you also mentioned you you personally have a big interest right now in in mental health. So would you mm-hmm. mind talking a little bit more about that and sort of what you're you know doing uh, around that topic? Yes. So I would say that my family in particular, we have been at home on quarantine since pretty much March 13th. Uh, We took our kids out of daycare and have since decided to continue to keep them home um, just because we actually have my mother-in-law here watching them. Uh, So right now and during work days, she watches them for us like a nanny would, which is yeah, I cannot say enough how thankful we are to have that help from her. She actually moved in with us too. So moving to a new house had another benefit of having a little more space for my mother-in-law to move in with us, which has been really cool. And so it's been, there's a lot of great things about being home together, but there's also a lot of frictions that have come up. And I think my husband and I wanted to make sure that we were getting ahead of those things and working through you know, tough times together. So we've been doing um, like couples counseling, virtual couples counseling, which has been really helpful. I can't talk enough about how much I encourage any married couple to do counseling on an ongoing basis. I know we did it in the beginning of our marriage when we were like getting married, but you know, eight, we've been married eight years now, eight years later, we got two kids now. You're just completely different people in a lot of ways. And so a lot of our counseling is focused on parenting and how to parent because, you know, frankly, neither of us know what we're doing. We're just trying to do our best. And honestly, that's helped a ton with our overall mental health is just having that outlet again to have this third party objective person walk us through, ask us a lot of questions, just have us focus on the right things versus getting caught in our own heads and, you know, having a lot of friction with each other when it's really a time where we should try not to do that. Cause you know, who knows how much longer we're going to be in this situation of, of staying home a lot, but we should probably make the best of it. And so far that's been helping our family a lot. And I, again, highly encourage anyone struggling at home that to look for that outlet because there's a lot of really good virtual options to help right now. I love that. I love that. I, I love to talk about the um, decision to allocate sort of resources, time and money towards some of these items. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some some people are better better at this than others, and, and I'm getting the sense that you're one of those people that are, are better at that. As far as <laughs> you know, it, it takes time and money to hire and pay for an advisor, right? When it's sort of easy. To say, oh, well, I know everything. I could do it, or even um, proactive couples counseling. Right, that's something I've thought about over the years. Again, we're sort of getting ahead of things, um, but it does take time and money. So, is that a struggle, sort of making that decision, or are you are you really um, do you have like a great vision and you know that the ROI is going to be there, even though I feel like a lot of people know the ROI is there. There is sort of a hesitation around push and go or pushing purchase. I think so for sure. I, I think this year has just been personal growth around being okay with making a lot of those decisions and outsourcing what I just know I shouldn't handle myself. Um, I don't know. Really, maybe it was after I had my son, who's my, my youngest, my second kiddo. I got really comfortable with like saying no and being okay with outsourcing and working with a financial planner showed me that I could afford to outsource more than I knew and save money in areas where I maybe wasn't paying much attention. And I felt very comfortable and okay with spending that extra money in order to make our lives easier overall. Um, I think as, you know, dual career family here. My husband works full time. I work full time. Um, generally, someone like me who's super OCD and type A, uh, my husband would call me controlling very lovingly. Um, I feel that women specifically like me need to get really comfortable with outsourcing and finding help and not trying to do it all. You don't get any sort of badge of honor for doing it all. And 
you're going to free up so much mind space when you can get comfortable with finding people to come in and just delegating things to people. And a lot of times it's delegating things that you don't have to pay for too, which is great. Um, so I think we've really tried to focus on that in the last couple of years and it's a work in progress for sure. Um, I will say there's a really great book that I read that helped with this, the mindset and it's called fair play by Eve Rodsky. And I've decided that anytime I go to a wedding or someone I know gets married, I'm going to buy them this book because it will save them a lot of time in their marriage if they read it like earlier on. And it's all about some of these same topics of um, the domestic workload and what all that entails and how people try specifically a lot of times it's the the woman who uh, tries to do so much of the mental work herself without outsourcing or getting her spouse on board and uh, a better deliberate way of, of divvying up tasks. And I think that book really helped us. Me and my husband read it together or I read it out loud to him so he could listen because I don't know that he would have read it on his own, but that's okay. <laughs> it was a really eye-opening way of thinking about how to run your household more like a business in a lot of ways. And I, again, can cannot recommend that book enough. Uh, it it was really beneficial in shifting my mindset to to be more okay with a lot of things you're talking about. That's great. No, I love I love the recommendation, and I'm going to pull that book up as soon as we're done here and check it out. And you did say something that's interesting, and I and I've seen it in my own household as well. Um, you know, my own wife, she loves cooking, and she's a whiz in the kitchen. And she's, you know, she said the, the hard part is not dinner or making dinner. That's the fun, that's the fun part for her. The hard part is, is what you said. It's the mental load. It's the trying to figure out sort of what to buy, what to cook. Right. Oh yeah. Um, she's like, I don't want you to take the cooking away from me, but I want you to take the, <laughs> the, the menu away. Um, and so, so that's, that, and that is what this, I'm telling you, Mike, you got to get this book because it breaks every single household task that a family has to do into um, it's a three part process. So you have conception, planning and execution. So your wife likes the execution of cooking, but she would like to outsource to you probably the planning or the conception and the planning part. And that's really, it, it creates a system for you to do that really effectively as a team so that there's no more, uh, messed up expectations when your spouse doesn't do something a certain way, or it it helps to divvy up a lot of that and allows each person to focus on what they enjoy doing more and also what they're best at doing. And it also allows you to to change jobs around too, so you're not always doing the same thing. But uh, again, fascinating book, fascinating system, and highly recommended. <laughs> That's great. No, I, I love it. And, and you you said something really interesting earlier. You don't get a badge of honor for doing <laughs> it all yourself. I, I, I love that. I think a lot of women like feel that they have that or, you know, it, it's not always women. I'm just uh, saying that because that's me. And that's, I know a lot of working moms who are, who feel this way, but I've gotten very comfortable with realizing that, you know, People don't really care. It's not. I'm not special because I do all this stuff. I'm actually just overworking myself, and I need to be okay with saying no to things. Um, I talk a lot about about that with some other female advisor friends of mine. Um, and again, just I think focusing more on like a minimalist sort of mindset overall. I I would for sure put myself in that category of just being able to comfortably let go of things because it doesn't fit like our family values or our, our family mantra or things like that. And just focusing on what really matters that that mindset shift mindset shift has really helped me not care too much about those other things. <laughs> well, that that's um, again, that, that's all great stuff. I really love it. Um, so since you are obviously great as far as the theme of this podcast goes, investing in yourself. So what's next? And so if I gave you 
some money and or time, not that you need either. <laughs> um, sort of how would you allocate that moving forward to, as far as like an investment in yourself goes? You know, again, examples could be, you know, personal trainer, marriage counselor, vacation, massage, you know, books, right? And, and courses, any of the, any of the above. I would say, I think this year, especially my mind goes to unplugging and taking some sort of vacation. Um, and we are kind of in the midst of planning some little uh, beach Texas beach staycation here shortly. So my, my mind is very focused on that because we haven't really done much this year. Obviously it's uh, nobody's really traveling this year for a lot of good reasons. And I feel that my husband, my husband works for a startup and uh, he loves his job, but a lot of that startup world mindset, if you've ever, I know you know you work in the Bay area, so you probably work with people in, in tech or in that startup mindset of just, being somewhat of a workaholic and giving, you know, putting so much of themselves into their job. And so if we had extra time or extra money, I think it would allow my husband to be okay with unplugging from his crazy job a little bit more and just us being okay with taking an extended amount of time off, you know, more than two weeks, you know, two to four weeks off or something like just take the whole summer off and do some sort of uh, road trip vacation with the kids because my husband and I did a lot of that when we were younger. And I know we want to do that with our kids. And our son is still, you know, barely not a baby anymore. He's uh, eight, you know, 18 months old. So I feel like we're getting into the point where we want to start doing those things. But I hope it's not, you know, we, we just keep talking about it and never do it. So if we had some time and money to do it, right now and could just easily unplug and not worry about work. I think we would. And we, we are trying to focus more on that as a priority just in general and, and realize that it's, it's going to be really good for our family to get away and unplug and spend more quality time together. Even though we're here together at the house with our kids constantly. um, I think sometimes we use it as an excuse to, work too much because it's always here and it's always on. If you're, you know, in the office and you just walk over and check email at the computer. So having the ability to fully unplug is a big priority of ours and something I would do if, if I had uh, more, more time and money for sure. <laughs> and so you, I'm putting you on the spot here. You just seem like someone who's just full of great resources. And I guess that's, <laughs> that's interesting because it's sort of part of your job. Um, for me, since we have kids roughly the same age, do you have any favorite, um, parenting resources or, or groups or, or books or anything like that? I definitely do. So, um, I, I mentioned, we don't know what we're doing when it comes to parenting. So one of the things I invested in was a parenting course. So we're currently doing a, it's called positive parenting solutions by Amy McCready. So we, I signed up for her course. And it helps you understand from a psychological perspective, like how your kid's brain works and then how you can adapt your parenting style to really effectively get them to stop having you know, poor behavior. And it teaches you how their behavior is a symptom of a bigger problem. And it's really cool stuff. And I'm into, I'm kind of like a geek for psychology type things. So that's been super helpful. And then I'm also reading a book right now about um, entitlement in kids and like how to avoid raising entitled kids uh, in an era of, you know, instant gratification and, you know, just the current culture that we live in. Um, so that book, I, I'll, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Um, it's called The Entitlement Trap. So The Entitlement Trap, really good book. And then another I don't know if you've heard of uh, Ron Lieber's book, The Opposite of Spoiled. I think that's another really good one that I have read around creating, you know, how to how to bring up your kids with more of a sense of what money means and how it can be a tool, you know, not only something that you can use to you know buy whatever you want, but you can save money and the power of compounded interest. And then also having a category of, uh, giving back. So philanthropy, so helping kids have a more of that mindset from the beginning 
And um, I have it on my list to reread that book because it was one of my favorites. That's great. All right. You're giving me too much good information here that I think, uh, <laughs> I think when we're done here, uh, we may have a lot more email interaction because oh, yes. I love, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do love thinking about this and talking about this stuff and not that I'm trying to be the greatest and perfect, most perfect parent in the world. I know that's, <laughs> I know that's not something that I, you know, anyone can achieve, but it's, um, you know, it's a fascinating topic. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> And in a world, I know I'm always looking to learn more or um, just just get better, right? Get better. Oh yeah, um, exactly. So I think I think be, being present is obviously first and foremost, right? And I think that's uh, it's tough to replace that, but beyond that, it's um, it's a fun topic to educate. So no, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, of course. So switching gears a little bit. Um, then we can move into our final questions here. Something exciting. So outside of the office, obviously you're locked in your house right now. So, <laughs> so maybe there's not much of an answer. Uh, but is there anything that's exciting or interesting to you these days? I know a lot of people I talk to, they've made the plunge into getting a Peloton. Um, that's sort of <laughs> Funny um, you should say. Mine was delivered today. We did buy a Peloton. <laughs> oh, I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, so much privilege to say that we were able to do that. Um, and yes, it was actually delivered today, but my husband, myself, and my mother-in-law are all going to be sharing it. So uh, we uh, we decided, we canceled our gym memberships. You know, my husband had like a CrossFit thing. My mother-in-law was doing something. We all decided, you know, we're going to keep ourselves safe. We're going to stay home. We're going to cancel all of that. And we decided to funnel that into a Peloton investment, which... Uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about that one. I think apart from just trying to stay fit in general and, and stay active, um, I pre-COVID days, I was, uh, quote unquote, a coach for a sand volleyball team. So, and that's, I say that jokingly because it was, I was on the team. So it was like a group of us, most of us who worked uh, in the Austin office at Dimensional and then some others who were friends. We had an ongoing team. We played in a league here in Austin and uh, it was pretty consistent. We'd play almost every season or every other season throughout the year, which was really fun. And we actually won our league last time right before COVID hit. So we were about to embark on our next league and everything got canceled. So I am really looking forward to getting back to playing some sand volleyball with my friends. Wow. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny how in California we call it beach volleyball, but in Texas ah. you call it sand volleyball. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do you have a volleyball background? I, I, if, I if do. You do it, no way. I grew up playing volleyball, so I played club i played in high school did not play in college or anything i'm i'm not uh tall enough so i used to stretch a little bit and say that i was five eight and a half i'm really like five seven or five seven and a half um so but i did play um you know all growing up and and traveled on a travel team which was really fun i uh, loved having that background in you know very dedicated sport uh, that took up most of my time and just it's great to have the option to funnel that into like you know beach volleyball or sand volleyball now and austin has a few different leagues and some great courts and we've got people of all ages and all different backgrounds who play which is really cool so it's been a lot of fun to get to continue to do that even though i'm older that's great that's great we we have we have a lot of topics to take offline here i mean, I, I, <laughs> cool. I live i live in a volleyball household oh right um, that's awesome if there's one thing my wife may love more than her family is playing sand or beach volleyball. Um, <laughs> yes. So, and, and you know, in te Texas surprisingly has a um, a big volleyball scene. I, I I didn't realize that. I we don't have to do much of a detour here, but after college, I briefly lived in Dallas for a little mm -hmm. while and. Like right across the street from my apartment complex, there was a bar with like a ton of beach <laughs> ball or you know ton of sand volleyball courts. Yep. Um, so yep. we, so I did, I did join a um, a league when I was there for Very a, cool. a few months, and 
Um, I want to say we won as well, but I, I, I honestly don't remember. So that the fact that I don't remember tells me that maybe we didn't. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that league sounds like Austin. Austin, if you've ever come to Austin, Texas, and you go to Zilker Park, which is the big famous park in the middle of the city, there are a set of uh, sand volleyball courts there where people play a lot. And then Aussies is a bar with a couple of courts that's famous in Austin. It's been around for uh, over 30 years for sure. And they've got an ongoing league there. And uh, that's where we play is at Aussies. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a nice escape and makes me feel like I'm back in college or something playing intramurals or, or something. It's a good escape yep. from, from uh, regular life. <laughs> Well, uh, next next time I'm in Austin, I'll have to uh, be a sub for your team. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm 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 not a ringer by any means. So if you if you guys are playing in the in the casual division, then uh, I will, uh, then I'm in. I love it, love it. Yeah, but you mentioned a couple books um, already, so you, you don't uh, don't need to dig deep for this one or have an answer to this one. But any current interesting uh, content you're consuming? Any favorite sort of writers, books, shows, podcasts right now? Yeah, so my husband and I are about to finish The Last Dance on Netflix, which has been awesome. It's the documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls dynasty. Uh, so if you haven't watched it yet, highly recommend that one. Um, I actually listened to a really good podcast that is not in financial planning world that I would recommend to any women out there. Um, it's called the As a Woman podcast, and it is by Dr. Natalie Crawford, who is a fertility doctor, oddly enough. Um, she's actually kind of Instagram famous. So if you look her up on Instagram, she's got like a bazillion followers. And she's actually located here in Austin. I've never met her before. I don't really know how I came across her. But her podcast is a unique combination of uh, you know, information about women's health, of course, because she is a fertility doctor, but also she comes from obviously a, she's a female doctor, she's a physician. So she works in a very male dominated career path. So a lot of her content focuses on uh, women empowerment and overcoming a lot of the challenges that women might face in a male dominated career path. And I align with that just being in financial services, you can kind of um, come across some of the same things that she talks about on her podcast, which has been really cool. So I, I've really enjoyed listening to that. That's great. No, I, I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. So this one, um, I would love to hear your answer on this next question. We'll only have a few left here, but since you're, again, your kids are my same age or the same age as mine, a little older, uh, a couple months older. So if you had the opportunity to design a course at any age for your kids, what would it be and why? Sort of, you know, any curriculum, uh, any age. So I, for some reason right now, um, since I am trying to, quote unquote, homeschool my four-year-old, um, she's a year away from kindergarten. So it's just like pre-K. Uh, we're just trying to do some writing and, and reading things uh, just a couple times a day between me and my husband. And it got me thinking of other things that I could teach her. I grew up playing piano and I started taking lessons when I was about her age. And I was thinking like, man, I wish there was a course that parents could use in this era of COVID where it's like an at-home course to help your kids learn how to play an instrument or the piano that wasn't necessarily virtual or something you had to watch on a computer because my daughter is not interested in virtual classes at all. I had her signed up for a virtual dance class and it was, we had to drop it because it just didn't work out. She couldn't hold her attention. So if I could design a course that was easy for me to teach my daughter to pay the, play the piano, that made it fun and exciting and to where I would not get frustrated with myself or with her, I, I would love to do that. <laughs> well, hey, if you could design that, then you have a at least one customer here. I'm sure you have thousands, <laughs> thousands more. Awesome. All right. So podcast guest recommendation for me. If oh, you yeah. were, if you had one hour on your, you know, for, let's say 40 minutes on your Peloton, but you were, for, you were forced to listen to me interview someone. Is there um, 
anyone you would love to listen to? So my thought was a guy named Craig Wortman. He is a clinical professor of entrepreneurship at the Kellogg School of Management. And he is known for his course on entrepreneurial selling. And I had the great honor of of basically taking his course through my job at Dimensional. It's basically sales training, if I want to be quite blunt. But sales training kind of has like an icky feeling you know, along with it. You know, nobody wants to have to listen to someone try and sell them something, but I'm technically in sales. And so it was a very refreshing thing to go through Craig's course. And he is the most amazing speaker. Um, everything he teaches you is in story. So he's just constantly using different stories and examples from his own life to get different points across. And um, I know he actually wrote a book on that. So I think Craig Wortman would be my podcast guest recommendation just because he's just a very compelling speaker overall. And he has a lot of really cool ideas around ways to really connect with um, you know your target audience. And I think that that's applicable to you know, me at my job and then, you know, you as a financial advisor working with individuals. And he even says that the things that he teaches are great for relationships in general. So you and your spouse, your relationship with your kids. um, And I think that just what he teaches is, is beneficial to anyone and everyone out there. Um, So he, he's my podcast guest pick for you. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And I think you're totally right. I mean, sales, I've had a lot of conversations like this where you know it, there's an it's a kind of an icky word or or unfortunately that's the that's the stigma around it but <laughs> yeah. in, in in reality it's it's just the shorter version of saying would you want training to be a better communicator and a better listener exactly. right every everybody would say absolutely <laughs> um, but do you want to be better at sales no 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 <laughs> yeah so, oh yeah. So flipping the script a little bit, you know, I'm going for a a little jog here. So do you have a dream guest for your own interview, like dead or alive, past or present? Is there anyone that you would love to have an hour of their time to pick their brain? So you probably won't know who this is, although she is uh, based in California. Her name is Amber Lewis, and she runs her own interior design company, uh, which is called Amber Interiors. And I love her because she basically started from absolutely nothing and launched the launched her own business and has grown it very organically. And I love she's a very authentic person. She's got a she's got a pretty big social media presence, and she's usually you know nothing is super polished and perfect. She's usually posting things about herself and her family and her daughter. And she was actually recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she's quite young, um, so it was you know, devastating to hear, but to see her go through that diagnosis and come through and still be very passionate about the work that she does uh, has been really cool. So she would be my personal dream guest for me to interview just because of, uh, I just love her passion and authenticity. Yep. No, I love that. I think that's a great answer. And I mean, Kelly, so you know, there's, a, you know, there's many more investment and dimensional questions that I had and wanted to ask, but I'm, I'm glad we sort of detoured a little bit into the, again, the <laughs> investing in yourself, personal equity side of it, because I think you're full of a lot of great information, great content, great resources and thoughts. Um, so, you know, the other episodes I've heard you on, I've enjoyed them, but they've certainly been more investment heavy. So I'm glad I'm uh, I feel like I'm getting to know you better and hopefully anybody else listen, listening to this feels the same that they um, can get to know you a bit better is uh, as far as where people can find you or getting in touch with you, if they were interested in connecting or wanted to learn more, is there anywhere online that uh, they can be in touch or they can find you? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn is probably the easiest to find me. So Kelly Klingeman on LinkedIn and, I work at Dimensional Fund Advisors, so pretty easy to find. Um, I am fairly active there because I'm part of a, a couple other groups outside of of Dimensional, and you know we we post and things there. So LinkedIn is probably best. All right, and that is let's see, get the right spelling here, Kelly Klingeman, and that's 
K-L-I-N-G-A-M-A-N. Is that right? That is right. Uh, you're great at spelling that name out over the phone to anyone and everyone is always a struggle. So <laughs> you did a great job pronunci- you know, pronouncing everything. A lot of good pronunciation there. <laughs> well, I, hey, I, have a, I have a nice cheat sheet in front of me. But uh, again, I think you were full of a lot of great information and, and I'm really excited for this one. And I learned a lot uh, about you as well. So this, I thought this was great. Do you have any sort of uh, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Oh, I would say that I just am thinking of everyone in this time. This year has been pretty crazy. And uh, a few other you know, great friends of mine have left me with some great just outlook on this year and you know maybe even next year. Uh, the one that keeps sticking out in my mind is this too shall pass. Uh, so I have applied that to a lot of things lately in terms of you know, my, my kid doesn't sleep very good at night right now. So I just tell myself this too shall pass or man, I wish the world was open again. And I just tell myself this too shall pass. <laughs> I, I would impart that on all of your listeners just to, to have a better outlook on the path forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, everything's temporary, right? The, the, the bad times and, and even the good times That's and, right. and it help, helps to remember that. <laughs> all right, Kelly. Well, that was great chatting with you and uh, you take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks again for listening to today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. All of the show notes and links can be found at personalequitypodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share it with a friend or leave a review. Reviews help the show get noticed. The best places to leave a rating or a review are iTunes or Spotify. Mike Troxell owns Modern Financial Planning. All opinions expressed by Mike or guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Modern Financial Planning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions.